Thank you for listening to another inspiring message from The Movement Church. To find out more about The Movement Church, you can check out our website at theocmovement.com or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at The OC Movement. a big hello to our studio audience that's in the room. I want to give a shout out to our South Campus that's tuning in and listening right now. We're so excited that you are there. And for all of you who are tuned in online today, man, you made the right choice to be in church. And I'm excited to preach. It's been a minute. And I am just excited to be closing out our series called Kingdom Come. We're in the final week here of this series, and man, it has been amazing. I hope that you have not missed a moment of this because let me just tell you, I have taken notes like four times on the messages that have been taught. You need these messages in your life as a Christ follower. It has been so good. And so if you've missed it, go back and take a listen. You're not going to want to miss what has been shared. But today I'm kind of bringing it to a close. And we've been talking all about understanding God's way versus culture's say. And the objective of this series has been to unpack a historical, biblical worldview. And listen, friends, this is not a popular opinion, by the way. I don't know if you felt that or noticed that yet, but this is not a popular opinion. So go back, listen, get yourself equipped. I think God is trying to challenge us as a body of believers to understand what kingdom culture really looks like. And so I just want to challenge you to position yourself and to pray a prayer that Jesus taught his disciples to pray. It's found in Matthew chapter 6, verse 9, and Jesus said this, Pray then like this, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is the prayer Jesus taught us to pray, and I believe, friends, this should be the posture of our heart today. Our Father, holy is your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Can we just take a moment to pray as we dive into the message today? Jesus, I I thank you for what you're doing in our lives. God, I thank you for the moment of worship that we just we're able to participate in. And God, I just pray, God, that you would open our hearts to receive. God, that you would open our ears to hear and our eyes to see your plan and your purpose for our lives as your followers. God, I pray that today as I share and I unpack your word and your truth, God, that you would fill me with boldness. God, to speak the word of God with confidence and with truth, God, that your way would be made known. In Jesus' name we pray, and everybody in the audience and online said, amen, amen. Hey, listen, do me a favor. If you are in a room with some people, turn to somebody and tell them this. There is a kingdom way. Oh, come on, a little bit louder to the next person. There is a kingdom way. 
That's right. If you are online with us today, type it in the chats. There is a kingdom way. That's what we're going to unpack a little bit today. But to understand that, we've got to understand what a kingdom is. And the word kingdom is mentioned 162 times in the New Testament. That's a lot of times to be mentioned. And it stands to reason that if something is mentioned 162 times, we might need to pay attention to the meaning of what God is trying to convey. So let's talk about what a kingdom actually is, why this is important. So the definition of a kingdom is this. The governing influence of a king over a territory, impacting that territory with his will, his purpose, his intent, producing a culture and a lifestyle for his citizens. Now, let me break this down just a little bit more for you right now. What is a kingdom? The governing influence of a king the kingdom of God, we serve one king. His name is Jesus. And Kanye reminded us of that last year, didn't he? Impacting a territory with his will. Listen, Psalm 24 says the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Impacting a territory with his will, his purpose, his intent, producing a culture and a lifestyle for his citizens. Who are his citizens? We are his citizens. If you have made a decision to follow Jesus, you belong to the kingdom of God. And this can be challenging to understand for us Americans because in America, we live in a democracy, which means that people have the authority to choose their governing legislation. Listen to me, friends. The kingdom of God is not a democracy. It is not on us to choose what it looks like. There is one appointed king. His name is Jesus. And the Bible tells us that he is the way, the truth, and the life. And listen to me, no one comes to the Father but by him. But Jesus knew this was going to be a struggle for us. And the frailty of our humanity, he knew that we would struggle with sin, that we would desire to put ourselves on the throne of our lives. And because he knew we would struggle, he said, let me teach you how to pray a prayer of surrender. And he taught that in Matthew 6. Pray like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Listen, he taught us to first acknowledge the king. Jesus is king. God, you are holy. You're the creator of heaven and earth. Nothing is impossible for you. And second, he taught us to acknowledge that there is a kingdom way. There's a kingdom way. And this is countercultural. And it requires me to transform my thoughts to align with his truth. Listen, Jesus has a way of always calling us higher always calling us higher to think different thoughts, to act in different ways. He's always calling us higher. And this is what we've got to grasp about the kingdom of heaven. Can I have what's under your seat, Pastor Kerry? This ugly, dirty teddy bear that has been in a box I've had for about 25 years because Pastor Kerry gave this to me when we were dating. And I used to sleep with this teddy bear every single night. I would cuddle this bear. But when I made the decision to take the name Robinson, 
and to step out of my singleness into becoming married. Some of the old ways of doing things had to go because I could no longer cuddle with this teddy bear because my husband wanted to be my teddy bear. Come on, somebody. So I had to change my way of thinking and my pattern of behavior. Heads up, babe. There goes the teddy bear. I had to change my way of thinking and my pattern of behavior, and I just want to challenge us as Christ followers that there are some things about our philosophies that need to change. I want to talk today about three counter-Christian thoughts and what the kingdom of God has to say about it. Are you ready to take some notes? Here we go, people. Get ready. Number one is this. Cancel culture is not kingdom culture. Cancel culture is not kingdom culture. Now let me break it down for you. I think we're all pretty familiar what, with what cancel culture looks like right now. 2020 was like the year of cancel culture. It was all the rage. You know, every celebrity and social media influencer under the sun was being canceled for something they said or didn't say or that conflicted with everybody else's opinion. And, and we've been breaking this down for you for the past few weeks as Pastor Josh and Pastor Kerry began to unpack critical theory and, and challenge the notion that postmodern thought tells us that truth can't be known, but we know as Christ followers in the kingdom of God that truth is known and truth is Jesus. And so they broke down this thought process for us, but the challenge is, is that we have changed the meaning of language. And so Pastor Josh unpacked for us the challenge with language and how because I have decided that truth is defined by me and not by God, then I can decide that if you disagree with me, that I don't have to have anything else to do with you, therefore I can cancel you. Because your language is a a weapon against me and therefore you're the oppressor and I'm the oppressed and so I cancel you out of my life. Man, you guys, this is not a Christian mindset. This is a counter-Christian culture and I want to challenge you that the threads of this run deep in each and every one of our lives. This is not a moment for you to be thinking about the people around you and pointing a finger. No, that would be doing the very same thing. This is a moment to look internally and go, where do the threads of cancel culture work their way into my life today? You see, it literally fosters a culture of offense. And we don't just become offended when something happens to us, we become excavators of offense, digging up the past mistakes and the past failures of people looking way back into all of their sins so that we can justify the facts that we disagree with them and we can validate our feelings by disvalidating them. I don't even know if disvalidating is a word, but I just said it, so we're making it a word. Cancel culture is not kingdom culture, but unfortunately it creates this, this sense of togetherness, this us against you mentality that's happening today. And, and the thing is, if this had been alive in scripture, a lot of heroes in the Bible would have been canceled. Wow. See, God used so many imperfect and flawed people in the kingdom to bring so much of the goodness to his people in the world. And I mean, Jesus would have been canceled over a hundred times for the things that he said and the things that he did. But on the flip side, Jesus never canceled anybody. Jesus never canceled anybody. Let's take the woman caught in the act of adultery, for example. 
when the Pharisees drug her into the room naked and threw her in the dirt before Jesus. And by the way, cancel culture is just modern-day legalism, pharisaical belief, pointing the finger at somebody else, accusing them of their sin. And I'm just saying, when they threw this woman at the feet of Jesus, Jesus didn't cancel this woman. He looked at those people in the room and said, okay, any of you who is without sin, who has no mistakes and no dirty laundry in your past, you cancel her. And slowly but surely, they each walked away. And then Jesus stepped across that line, and he lifted the woman up, and he said, go and sin no more. You see, he didn't condone her behavior. He just approached things totally differently. Galatians 6.1 says this, brothers, if anyone is caught in transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Gentleness. Can we catch that for a moment? See, cancel culture wants you to pay with blood in the city streets. But kingdom culture asks for accountability and gently offers grace. And maybe you're listening online or at a campus and you're going, well, I haven't really canceled anybody. You know, I, I haven't canceled anybody on social media. I've just kind of ignored that whole trend. But I just want to ask you to pause for a moment and evaluate where the threads of cancel culture might have worked their way into your heart and your mind. Have you ever found yourself in a position where you've been in a relationship with someone and things have just gotten rocky? The relationship is on edge and maybe you've been hurt, maybe there's pain, maybe you've been offended and you're carrying some unforgiveness, but your natural response has been, I'm just done with them. I'm done with them. I don't need that relationship in my life anymore. That's not doing any good for me and so I cancel them. Another word might be ghost them. Just stop responding because I'm, I'm offended and I'm hurt. And I'm holding on to unforgiveness and to pain, whatever it might look like. And I just want to challenge you. James 2 says that those of you who judge without mercy will be judged without mercy. And mercy triumphs over judgment. Listen, the kingdom of God is the best way for society. It's what we've been talking about. It's how we were meant to live our lives and get along with one another. God has a plan for human flourishing. And that plan involves seeing one another. Listen. Regardless of your political views, regardless of your gender, regardless of your race, regardless of your ideology, seeing one another as image bearers of the King of Kings, God has a plan for reconciliation, and we are ambassadors for his kingdom. So listen, I just want to challenge some of you right now. Maybe you can pinpoint some threads of cancel culture weaving their way into your life. Maybe you've been holding on to bitterness or unforgiveness. Maybe there's an offense. Maybe somebody has legitimately hurt you, or maybe you're just frustrated. Maybe you've been rallying the troops around you to commiserate with you because you don't want to be frustrated alone, and you want everyone else to validate the reason that you're frustrated. I just want to remind you what the kingdom culture says. In Matthew chapter 18, verse 15, it says this. If your brother sins against you, go to him. And tell him his fault between you and him alone. Between you 
and him alone. Well, Pastor Megan, I just, I don't want to deal with that kind of conflict. I don't like conflict, and, and I don't think they're going to agree with me. This is not about agreement. This is about dealing with the offense and the unforgiveness and the bitterness that has made its way into your heart. We don't get to change people. We only get to change ourselves. That is our responsibility. And so I just want to challenge you that if you're holding on to something, it's time to go to that person and have a conversation. It continues and says, if that doesn't work, take some leaders with you and have them help you. You don't have to go this alone. Matthew chapter 18, verse 21. I think Peter was going, okay, Jesus, what are you saying here? And he comes up and he says, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I need to forgive him? Like seven times? Like, I think he thought he was throwing out a really big number at that moment. And Jesus says to him, I don't say to you seven times, but 70 times seven. Jaw drop moment. The key to kingdom culture is forgiveness and restoration. Listen, I have been forgiven as much. I have been shown mercy when I did not deserve mercy. There are traces of sin and mistakes and things in my past that anyone could dig up. But Jesus said, no, I paid that price already with my blood. And I have been shown mercy, so now I am a citizen and an ambassador for the kingdom of, my, of heaven. And it is my job to extend the forgiveness of Jesus and contend for reconciliation. So who do you need to forgive? Who do you need to forgive? The second point is this. Self-fulfillment is not kingdom culture. Self-fulfillment is not kingdom culture. Listen to this, you guys. 84% of Americans say that enjoying yourself is the highest goal of life. 86% say to enjoy yourself, you must pursue the things that you desire the most. You've heard it said to find yourself, look within yourself. Anthropologist Paul Hybert says this, a new dominant religion has emerged in the West in which self has become God and self-fulfillment our salvation. And we see this everywhere we look. You do you. Find your truth. Oh, don't worry about that. You embrace what makes you happy. But Romans 12, 2, we've been talking about, says don't conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We belong to a different kingdom. And one of the main differences between God and us is his unique role in determining that we would exist and determining why we would exist. Pastor Kerry broke this down for us in week one. Why am I here? Because you're created. You are an image bearer. You are his masterpiece. That means made with an intent. Jesus said you were made to do good works, which I planned in advance for you to do. He is the creator, and we are the creation. And listen, it's not like a bowl of alphabet soup. Anybody remember that? Alphabet soup where all the letters float around, and you can just arrange the letters to make whatever words you want to make that makes you feel happy in that moment. No. Our lives are more like a book. We're authored beings with meaning and purpose that we don't invent. We just discover as the chapters turn. And authoring the meaning of human nature, come on, is a God-sized task. And we were never meant to bear the burden of it. 
We were created by a creator who longs to guide our discovery of his plan for our lives. And the problem is the pursuit of self-fulfillment attempts to put self on the throne of my life. And let me just tell you, friends, that never works. When I sit on the throne of my life, I will never find the complete fulfillment that God intended for me to find. And more often than not, this is disguised in things like, you do you, find your truth. Well, here's what I think God is speaking to me, and it's all up to my self-translation. And I just want to challenge you, self-fulfillment is not kingdom culture. And there's a phrase that is a good phrase that has actually kind of been snatched up and caught by this self-fulfillment mentality, and it's called self-care. And self-care is a good thing. God created you with a plan and a purpose for your life and intended for you to steward your life well. And he gave us a manual for living called the word of God. And in the word of God, it lays out for us how we can take the best care of ourselves and manage and steward the life that God has entrusted us to live. It tells us things like what to eat and how to sleep and how to fix our thoughts on things that are good. It tells us how to manage our relationships. It helps us to remember the Sabbath and keep it holy because we need rest. It reminds us to pause and take Salem moments as we enjoy the nature that God has created and we reflect on his majesty and we say, God, you are so good. These are things that the word of God gives us and says, hey, do these things to take care of yourself, to steward the life I've entrusted you to live. But self-care now often dismisses self-sacrifice. Self-care now often dismisses self-sacrifice. See, Matthew 19 tells us the story about a young man. He's known as the rich young ruler. And this, this young man, he was doing most things right. He was living his life to honor God, and he went to pursue Jesus. And I actually don't know why he went to pursue Jesus. I have some speculations. I'm wondering if he was looking for validation because he felt like he was doing all the things right, and he just wanted to feel justified in where he was at. I don't know. I don't know if it was a pride thing and he wanted to be praised or maybe he was really curious, but the bottom line is he went to Jesus and he said, what should I do to inherit the kingdom of heaven? What should I do? And Jesus began to break down the commandments and this man's chest kind of puffed up with pride and said, well, I've done all those things since I was a child. And Jesus said, well then, I want you to sell all that you have and give it to the poor and come and follow me. And he hung his head and he walked away because that was a sacrifice he was not willing to make. You see, this young man was doing so many right things, but he wasn't willing to lay down his life and follow. You see, I think we want the goodness of God, the good things he offers without the sacrifice. Listen to me, friends. I think we want the kingdom and all it offers us without the king, the authority. We want the promises of God all the good things listed in the scripture without the promise maker because it doesn't always fit with what I want. We're seeking human flourishing while rejecting the one who makes it possible to flourish. You see, the pursuit of self-fulfillment without self-sacrifice is completely contrary to kingdom culture. Matthew 16, 24 says this, then Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross, 
The cross is where my will intersects with God's will. Take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Now listen, if what you're hearing me say right now is that you should sacrifice your well-being, your emotional well-being, your mental, physical well-being, your family to build the kingdom of God, I'm so sorry. That's not at all what I'm saying. God has a plan for human flourishing. And within that plan, he's taught us and instructed us how to take care of ourselves our emotional, physical, spiritual well-being. He's given us a strategy in his word on how to do this. And simultaneously, he expects us to steward the life that we've been given while simultaneous, simultaneous, I can't speak it. Somebody help me. Simultaneously, thank you people, building the kingdom of God. This has always been God's plan, thank you. Jesus has a plan for self-care. He instructs us in his word and expects us to steward the life that he has given us according to the kingdom culture that he has instructed us with. And at the same time, he has given us the instruction to build the kingdom of God, which means that we can do both. We can do both. God's plan for us is to build the kingdom. And listen, the scripture tells us, Jesus told us, the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. So listen, that means they're going to try to. So that means there is going to be some battles that you face. There's going to be some moments that are challenging and hard. But we can both take care of the life that God has given us to live and build the kingdom of God because that was God's plan for his kingdom culture. So... If you're not sacrificing somewhere to build the kingdom of God, you may have slipped into the position of the rich young ruler who told Jesus what he needed to do. Maybe you've taken the position of, well, I'm doing things right and it fits within the boundaries of what I feel comfortable with. But I'm just challenging you, friends. Self-fulfillment is not kingdom culture. And God has a plan for human flourishing. The last thing as we begin to close. Are you ready? Social acceptance is not kingdom culture. Social acceptance is not kingdom culture. Listen, do not underestimate the seductive power of the idol of social acceptance. I want to read you an excerpt from a book I've been reading called Confronting Injustice Without Compromising Truth. It's by Thaddeus Williams. And it says this, as Christians, we like to be liked. We crave culture's applause. We wanna be marketable, we wanna be mainstream, we wanna be moral, depending on what mainstream defines as moral this week. The last thing we wanna do is be branded with a scarlet B for bigot or I for irrelevant. We often care more about offending fellow creatures than we care about offending the creator. And we let that inverted emotion determine the way we think about everything, from social policy to sexuality. We often care more about being on the right side of history as the culture's trendsetters define right 
then we care about being on the right side of scripture. There's a kingdom way. So let me ask you a hard question. What if God's word clearly said something that was so culturally unpopular, something considered so backwards that you would be called names, that you could lose your job and be shunned by your neighbors, your family, your friends? Be honest. Would you side with the masses or would you side with the maker of the heavens and the earth? Be honest. Listen, what I'm not saying, friends, is that it's our job to point out the behavioral sin issues in others and aggressively demand that they adopt our ideology. I think that's where the church has failed, to show the love and the kindness of Jesus. And it's the kindness of Jesus that leads us to repentance. It's the kindness of Jesus that leads us to repentance. Listen, if you are expecting someone who is not a Christ follower to adopt a kingdom culture, you're crazy. You're crazy. My old pastor used to say sinners are gonna sin. This is not about you pointing fingers. This is not pharisaical cancel culture. This is the question that we need to ask ourselves. I am simply suggesting that we cannot compromise historical biblical worldview, the kingdom culture in the name of social acceptance. Listen, the Holy Spirit convicts unto righteousness. Every single one of us is, we're image bearers. And we need to treat one another as such. We're ambassadors of the kingdom of God, ambassadors of reconciliation. And I just wanna challenge you. Social acceptance is not kingdom culture. Barna says 47% of practicing millennial Christians agree that sharing your faith with someone of a different faith in hopes that they will one day share the same faith is morally wrong. That means 47% of Christian millennials believe it is morally wrong to evangelize. But this is the answer. God has a plan for human flourishing. There is one way. There is one kingdom. Jesus says, I am the way. I'm not, I'm not an option. It's, it's not like, it's a way if you choose this way, but maybe you have another way. No, Jesus says, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life that you have been searching for. I'm the fulfillment you've been looking for. I am that. And no one comes to the Father but by me. This should be a sobering thought for us as Christ's followers. We have a responsibility. Before Jesus ascended into heaven, he said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. We have a responsibility to share our faith, to share our stories, not to point fingers, not to demand that people accept an ideology, but to share the truth and the hope and the love and the mercy that can only be found in Jesus. We have a responsibility, friends. This is the kingdom way. 
We are His ambassadors here on earth. Ambassadors of reconciliation with people. We've got to reject cancel culture. We've got to stop pointing fingers. We've got to stop carrying offense and unforgiveness because Jesus forgave you just like he forgave me. He stepped across that line and said, hey, you can do better. I've got more for you. And he's doing the very same thing for the person who you think is your greatest enemy right now. We are ambassadors of reconciliation and people are image bearers. We are soldiers against the principalities and the darkness of this present age. And we do not have to sit back any longer while the enemy continues to pervert the truth in this generation. We have a responsibility as Christ followers to take a stand for the truth of the Word of God. We have a responsibility and I just wanna challenge you friends. Have you abdicated your role? You are an ambassador of the kingdom of heaven. This entire series has been for each and every one of us to say, God, not my will, yours be done. On earth as it is in heaven. So I need to bring this message to a close, but I wanna pause and just say to you, maybe you're listening right now and you're in the room. Maybe there's been a moment for you where you have felt canceled by other Christians, where you have felt like the only thing that the people that you know who call themselves Christians can do is tell you what you're doing wrong. And I'm sorry. That's not the way we're supposed to act. We're ambassadors of reconciliation. And I just want you to know that whatever your story, whatever your past, wherever you find yourself today, Jesus steps across that line and says, hey, I've got more for you. I've got a life worth living. And I know that there's some of you that are tuned in online. Maybe you're here in this room. Maybe you're at the South Campus. And I know you may have found yourself in a place where you're exhausted and you've been trying to do it on your own. You've allowed yourself to sit on the throne of your life and you know it's not working for you. And I just wanna tell you that today I believe is a day for you to surrender. To surrender your life to Jesus because he's got the answers. He's your creator. He designed you with purpose for a purpose and he wants to reveal it to you. And so if you've never made a decision to follow Jesus, I believe today is your day and that right now is your moment. And maybe you're listening and you made that decision a long time ago, but if you were honest, you've been running from God. You've allowed a counter Christian culture to become the soundtrack of your life and you're being reminded in this moment. And I would dare say it's just the sweet, convicting power of the Holy Spirit calling you back. So I'm gonna pray a prayer right now and I'm just gonna invite you to pray with me. Wherever you are, whether you're online, at our South Campus, here in our studio audience, if you're here and you need to make a decision to follow Jesus for the first time or the first time in a long time, would you just join me in this simple prayer? Would you bow your heads and close your eyes and just say this, dear God, I know that I've sinned. And right now, I ask you to forgive me. 
Today, I acknowledge that you are king. And today, I make the decision to follow Jesus. And all around this room, in our South Campus and online, if that's you, just make these words the cry of your heart. Would you say, Jesus, I give you my life. In Jesus' name. If you prayed that prayer with us today, we are so excited to be a part of this journey with you. Please email us at info at theocmovement.com. And if you were not in the area, we would love to help you find another life-giving church near you. Please send us an email at info at theocmovement.com. Thank you again for listening to another inspiring message from the Movement Church.